Welcome to Leukemia Cast. I am your host, Deirdre O'Kane. Leukemia Cast is a five-part series for you to hear all about life with acute lymphoblastic leukemia, getting insights from patients, their families, and their healthcare professionals through their personal stories. Leukemia Cast has been developed by Children's Health Ireland (CHI) at Crumlin, with the support of Servier Laboratories Ireland. In this episode, we will talk to Pam Lannan, who works at Our Lady's Children's Hospital Crumlin and is a clinical nurse specialist, CNS. The clinical nurse specialist is central to the management of patients with ALL and is there with the patient every step of the way. You're very welcome, Pam. I know this is a working day, right? And you're a yeah, busy it woman. is. Yeah. So thank you for having I, me. No, thank you for joining <laughs> us. I don't want to keep you because I know you've got a lot to do. So I'm going to start with a really basic question because people who are listening, we don't all know what a clinical nurse specialist does. That's your official title. So how does a clinical nurse specialist differ from another uh, other nurse? Okay, so um, a clinical nurse specialist is a registered nurse um, that has completed a post-registration programme that generally specialises in an area of care. So for here, we would have specialised in cancer care. And um, I suppose we differ from other nurses in the fact that we are involved with families like right from the beginning to complete till their end of treatment and even for years after it. So they often would ring us up um, maybe three years after treatment with a concern or a worry or something, um, even a question about vaccines or, you know, something. So we kind of will be their person, their go to person for the whole the whole of the whole of treatment. So, so I suppose that's are you the often the very first person that a family might encounter when they start this journey? Yeah, so often we would um, be one of the first people um, to meet when the consultant would meet with um, various members of the team, the AMP, and we would all meet together. So generally, yeah, from the very beginning, we would meet at the disclosure talk, so it's called. So, yeah, we would be one of the first people that and would meet the families. And you're the human, you're, you're the person, I think, who can put a lot of the medical speak um, into... You know what I just call normal yeah. punter banter, not that we, we, whatever way we want to word it. But for, for a lot of people, medical information is hard to take in, yeah. isn't it? They need like a yeah. a person to just sort of speak to them normally, and yeah, yeah that's it's very that's hard. You. Yeah, especially at the beginning because you know there's a lot of I suppose medical jargon like words they never would have heard of like protocols, plans of treatment. Um, so like it's like a different language, really. So we meet all the families and we would give them information in, I suppose, as basic form that we can. We have um, an information booklet. It's called a passport. Um, and we, we heard about <laughs> the passport um, when we spoke to Des and Dolores. And this was just such an important thing in their lives. You, yeah. you tell me in your words, because I think yeah. it would be interesting to hear. So um, the passport is um, it's an information booklet and basically we do all our teaching for that, for all our families. And it's got every member of the multidisciplinary team have a section in it and it explains about chemotherapy, the side effects um, all about bloods. There is a section for families to record the child's bloods so they can it's like that's good because they can see how they're doing, if their bloods are going up or going down. Um, 
It's got all our contact details and all our numbers and it kind of just explains it in, I suppose, basic English, really, that... Layman's terms yeah, as exactly. best as possible. Yeah, and it's also a backup then because we do our teaching from that here in the ward, but then they have it at home. When they go home, they have a backup of what we have said. Yeah, it was interesting because they they both said yesterday that when they were first handed the passport, they thought, oh, God, what is this now? (laughs) This is huge. And it Mm. seemed a bit overwhelming. But in a very short period of time, like I think a week or two later, they said suddenly this passport was just hugely helpful. Mm. So for anybody who's listening, who's who might be just handed that for the first time, bear with it, use it. It's absolutely, your friend, right? yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, and it has, I suppose, um, a lot of information in it, and you know, we do give out um, kind of drug information as well. So when they get their diagnosis and get um, the chemotherapy that they're going to go on, we will um, give them out um, drug information of what's to come, like what's the side effects involved, and what to look out for, and. Really, it's all about how to be safe at home and when to know when to bring their child back into hospital. It's like their new norm, really. Before we get into the detail mm. of that, I, I want to ask you what is involved in treating a patient with ALL? That's a big question. OK, I what's know. involved in treating a patient with ALL? So um, initially, when um, a child is diagnosed with ALL, their first admission is for generally for nine days. So when they arrive, it'll be um, for nine days. On generally, unless they get sick or unwell, they might have to stay a little bit longer. And then there is um, three types of treatment like there's regimen A, regimen B or regimen C. So depending on the child's age or um, what kind of treatment they need, if they need a little bit more or a little bit less, they'll go on a certain stage. Exactly. Certain regimen. And then so they're treated on that. And then on day 29, they will um, have a bone marrow. It's called an MRD. It's minimal residual disease. And that will um, determine then whether they stay on their regiment of A or B or whether they go up to C. And if they go up to C, it just means that they need a little bit more treatment, which is a good thing. It's good that we know this. We didn't know this years ago. So it just means if they do have to go to C, that we know that th- we can just give a little bit more to help right. them. So nobody's to be scared of exactly. having to go on to C. It's a positive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, yeah. That's yeah. important, isn't it? People don't know. They think... Yeah, it's very important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, A lot of the treatment is done in um, the day unit. So um, down in John's day unit, a lot of the treatment is done there for the um, ALLs. And sometimes the local hospitals will do it as well. Um, there's 16 shared care centres around Ireland, so sometimes some of the hospitals will do the dressings, the bloods, um, administer some of the chemotherapy. But a lot of the treatment is day treatment, which is great. And they um, come into the day unit and have their treatment. And then at later stages in their treatment, some of the kids even go back to school. Can you just paint a picture for me? I, I don't want to frighten anybody who's listening, but at the same time, we want to be straight talking and I want them to understand what that initial phase is like. You said, say, the first six months is probably the toughest. How will that be for the child who is ill? Okay, so the first six months is um, the toughest um, because that's when they have their most intensive treatment, their most intensive chemotherapy. 
and um, that's when I suppose they experience most of the side effects. So, um, for instance, um, hair loss is one of the side effects that a child um, will experience and generally that will happen after about two weeks after starting treatment um, and that can be very traumatic, you know, especially for the older children. Um, we How do, do you find most of them deal with it? Initially, they're all, like generally all very upset um, and a lot of the children may go and get it like cut shorter. But we do organise um, wigs for the for the children. So we'll set that up and they're real hair wigs and they look amazing. And you actually, you know, they look so good. Like so an awful lot of children would go down that route. And I think it's a really good idea because even you know, in hospital and stuff, you know, a lot of the children wouldn't wear the wigs. But I just think even if you just wear it once during the first six months, you have it in the house. You have it there as an option. You have it, exactly. If they go home and there might be somebody they want to see and they they want to feel normal, they might put it on. So as you say, even if it's not worn very often, it's there. Take it, have it. It's there and they have it. And yeah, you know, sometimes they might have communion or confirmation or something that they just wanted for that day. And I just think, yeah, just get it. And if you don't use it, you don't use it. Brilliant advice. Just get it. Um, and I interrupted you. You were no telling friend. me about that initial six months. So yeah, the hair goes. The, the hair goes. And because of the treatment, their um, blood counts will start to drop. So their um, immune system is lower. So they're at higher risk of catching an infection. Um, so we would teach parents all about um, temperatures, high temperatures, because that's a sign that there's an infection and that they need to come into hospital. Um, so even though a lot of the treatment is done as an outpatient, a lot of the time a children can get um, a temperature at home and they'll end up having to come into hospital for antibiotics because their immune system is so low. And we call that febrile neutropenia. Um, and a lot of the families like have become very familiar with this because it is quite common and we do expect it. So our, pa- our parents learn to take temperature all the time. That probably becomes Absolutely, a routine. Absolutely, yeah, it does. It becomes a routine thing. And um, that's why they have their hospital bag packed because they could get a high temperature in the middle of the night and they'll go into either us okay. or their and local. And again, no need to panic about that. You you can sort this with Absolutely. the antibiotics. Absolutely, exactly. Take yeah. the temperature, have your bag ready. And just go. Yeah, yeah exactly. And um, they will get the same treatment here with the antibiotics as they would down in their local. Sometimes they may have to be transferred back up here, but... Um, you know, we do have the antibiotics and it's just... Um, but it can be tough. And because their blood counts are low at that time, they might need to have um, blood transfusions and platelet transfusions. So that's another thing that parents will be looking out for when they're at home, that signs that the platelets are low, um, like bruising, nosebleeds, um, rashes, and then that the haemoglobin is low. They're looking out for, you know, if they're like anemic, low energy, dizzy, pale, and any of those signs, they, they bring them into the hospital and they often would need a transfusion, which doesn't mean they have to stay overnight or anything. Generally, they can go home. So Okay. Um, is the child very sick? Are we talking about them being very sick in that period? Or like, are they in bed? Um, sometimes like when they have a temperature at home and they can come in, they can feel very sick and they can, um, you know, just not have any energy and they need the antibiotics and they can be in bed during this period. They could be in for 48 hours. They could be in for five days, depending or it could be a little bit longer. 
during the first six months, um, children often don't feel like eating. They can feel uh, very nauseated and very sick and they can also get uh, mucositis, which can cause like um, ulcers in the mouth. Um, so often their weight will um, decrease and we do get the dietitian involved and we do um, try with high calorie drinks. But often a child will have to have an NG tube, which is a nasogastric tube um, inserted. It goes into your nose and down your stomach. You don't have to be, um, you're awake for it. It's, but um, we would give feeds then. We can give them overnight. We can give them during the day. And it's just to ensure that the children get the, the nutrition into them. Yeah, and that's going to keep them strong. You, Absolutely. You do have to remain strong to have the treatment, right? So if you can get protein and nutrition into them that way, again, it's a plus. Absolutely. The calories yeah, are so important. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay, so that's six months. You have to steal yourself for that and then yeah. things yeah. gradually yeah. improve. Things, things gradually improve and that's like, I suppose as well, where the whole, you know, it can affect the siblings as well because parents can be gone then at the drop of a hat to the local for five days or short it could be shorter it could be longer but it's suppose it's the unknown as well so it's just having that help available and you know I suppose support for the siblings as well yeah roping in family and friends mm. wherever they're yeah wherever you can how much does it impact their little lives in terms mm. of school and friends yeah so um the first, I suppose, intensive part of the treatment is this six to eight months, you could say. And then after that, they go on to, it's called maintenance therapy. And generally for the first six to eight months, they do miss a, a, a quite a bit of school because just for various reasons, um, because of treatment and, you know, they're in and out a good bit. But um, when they go on to maintenance, we do encourage that they go back to school and that um, hopefully they'll miss a minimum amount. Do you, do you think they find it hard to haven't been away or do you think it's good for them to get back in to the school? I, th I think it's good for them to get back in. They all generally, you know, love to get back, socialise. And one of our affiliated charities called Barrettstown have now started to go back out and they do... Um, just to prepare the class and they do like um, age appropriate, like they might do a puppet show or something just to, um, I suppose, so people know what to expect. And it's good for the teachers as well. So they're really, really um, that's good. Hugely so that's hugely helpful. Yeah, God really bless Barrettstown. They've yeah. done amazing yeah. things. But that just makes so much sense yeah. going into the classroom because I guess the kids who are friends of somebody who's sick, they also need to hear it yeah. hear it and be told yeah. something you know yeah, back in the day we didn't tell other kids anything we didn't communicate yeah. Yeah. very well but that sounds yeah. like that's all improved massively yeah that's really improved and um like the teachers are on board and you know um the the teachers would often ring here as well and ring us as well just before a child goes back to school or we would link with them so you know we're yeah. always open to that as well um Okay, so getting back into school, that's a positive. You'd be encouraging that Absolutely, as yeah. much as possible, Absolutely. as soon as possible. Yeah. yeah, just to try and make life as normal as, to get back to normality, really, yeah. 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 Okay. When we're talking about the treatment, um, I know each child and each patient is different, so there might not be a straight answer to this, but how long will the treatment continue for generally? Like, are we talking about months or years? Um, well, the first part is generally about six to eight uh, months and then depending on the um, on the regime, that kind of depends on the regime. But then generally it's um, two years um, maintenance for um, girls and three years from 
for boys from inter-maintenance, but there is a new protocol coming out and um, the aim is that hopefully most children will be on maintenance for two years. Now, so when you say maintenance, does that mean that they are in hospital or are they, is that daycare? I, I yeah, so uh, maintenance um, basically means the child would come up to Crumlin once a month. Um, it's a, every Tuesday we have a clinic, a maintenance clinic. So they will come up here on a Tuesday morning and they would have um, vincristine, it's a chemotherapy. And then they would be put on um, steroids for five days and they would be put on oral chemo for the month. And then every three months they would have to go to theatre for an LP and an IT. And also every Tuesday afternoon, they get a phone call from the A&P and the medics and telling them what dose of drugs to take for the month. So kind of life gets more back into routine because it's once a month up here. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. And um, like can they go to school when they're having the oral chemotherapy? They can. Yeah, they can. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a big difference. Makes a huge difference. And like in maintenance, you know, generally, um, you know, they're they've more energy, their hair comes back and, you know, that image, you know, kind of, you know, what they get at the beginning is, you know, they're in a better place. So, yeah. yeah. So psychologically and every other way, life improves quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Ish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're in more of a routine. And yeah. how yeah, now taken again, each family is different and we don't know how many siblings, but generally there are some. How is the whole family involved in the child's treatment in your experience from my experience the whole family is t- like involved totally involved right from the beginning um siblings are involved because um they're impacted as well because the parents are generally up here for for the nine days anyways then when they go home um children like may have may get a temperature and may have to come into um, hospital in the middle of the night so then often siblings may have to go to neighbors or other family members um so extended family and neighbors and friends become a part of this journey absolutely absolutely yeah totally totally um because people need them they need them you know just to be able to go with the drop of a hat and because you never know when you're going to have to go could be the middle of the night um, we always say to people, pack a bag, have a hospital bag in the car ready to go because you just you don't know when. Yeah. Very practical advice like that is very mm. helpful, isn't it? Yeah. Just have an overnight bag ready. Keep it in your car. Yeah. Just in case. Just in case. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's one less pressure off you, you know, just go out that door. Yeah. And go and you yeah. Need to. Is it harder for people who aren't Dublin based? Um, well, generally, um, at the 16 shared care hospitals, they would be within, you, you know, within an hour, half an hour of where they live. So and then I suppose they have their That's family for the maintenance now. So the initial treatment they have to the come initial to treatment. Here. Absolutely. But they have to come to here and then afterwards. Yeah. So, so when that's they a huge have, improvement. Yeah. So when they have their initial treatment and then they go home, they can attend the local hospitals for um like that if they become unwell or if they have to have bloods taken or Hickman dressings done they don't have to travel up here like all the time so yeah it's definitely definitely very helpful the share care hospitals yeah you mentioned a Hickman line and I just want to go back to it because um, I think most people like me don't understand 
what it is. Will you just explain to me? Yeah. So um, the Hickman line, it's like um, uh, it's like a catheter that's in um, long term that's um, inserted um, into the child and it um, can stay there for the whole of their treatment. And what we did you can refer to it as? A Freddy. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not the fancy jeans no. that are on the market <laughs> that will lift up your bum and make you look like Beyonce. But no. it's still. <laughs> totally not. Um, uh, it's called a Freddy. We call it a Freddy just so it's more child friendly. Um, and it's just kind of stuck. Um, so, yeah, so the Freddy basically becomes um, the child's friend, really, because it means that they have to get less cannulas, so less needles. It's not that they never will have to get a needle, but it's definitely less. And we can um, take blood from it. We can give the chemo through it. And it is very, it's less invasive. Does that happen at the very beginning? The very beginning. The Hickman line very beginning, yeah. So when we would meet a family, we have a doll with a Hickman line in it that we bring down and show a family so they know exactly what's going in. So they okay. have a visual. They're, they really are amazing because they just save so much trauma on the child. Um, we also teach parents how to take blood from the Hickman and change the Hickman dressing. And we also teach them how to administer chemo through the, the Hickman or the Freddy. So um, and that's generally done that training throughout the six months. So some people get trained, you know, maybe after two months and some people might decide to get trained later on. But that's generally done during kind of that intensive time. OK, thank you. Um, OK, Pam, you've been doing this a long time. So what advice would you give to a family with a child who's been recently diagnosed with ALL? So basically the advice I would give is just to take it one day at a time and to try and keep life as normal as possible um, and to try and treat your child as normal as possible. And I know there's certain times that you have to make allowances for your children when they're on the steroids, especially, you know, and if their behaviour is, you know, challenging. But it is important to try and maintain certain rules and boundaries, you know, going forward. Um, I would also say don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, I think that's a huge, huge, one. huge. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd love people who are listening to really take that on board. Yeah, you, absolutely. You need help, you've got to ask for it. Yeah. Just take it. It won't be forever. Exactly. Yeah. It's a short period of time. You would do the same. Absolutely. You do the same for another exactly. member of and your family. And people want to help. For a friend. They do. Mm. People want to help. Mm. People are really good, mm. aren't they? Yeah. They, people they are really good. So they for do. God's sake, let them. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that? Definitely. Important. Definitely. So, yeah, exactly like that. When people offer at the beginning, just take it. Whatever it is, just take it. Yes. If it's, I'll drive you so that you don't have the stress of driving your car. Anything. Exactly. Any small thing. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. And just not to be afraid to ask for help and to pick up the phone. And like, we're always here or there's always somebody on John's ward. So, you know, just don't be lying at home worrying. Just pick up the phone. Yeah, You've been around this for a long time. Are you optimistic? Do you think things have improved and do you think people should be hopeful? Absolutely. You know, with um, like so much has improved with research and, you know, throughout the years. And yeah, absolutely. And. You know, I think the fact like that generally that life is after your initial diagnosis that, you know, it's a lot of this is day care, mm. you know, that, you know, the aim is to try and have, I suppose, as normal life as possible when they're not here. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, and 
Roll with the positives. Exactly. There are a lot of positives. Exactly. Even though it seems like it's the end of the world when you get this. Exactly. There's a lot to yeah. be hopeful Yeah, for. there is a lot to be hopeful for. And, you know, we spend a lot of time, I suppose, just trying to empower our parents. And we would, um, like, we teach all our parents who want to learn. We don't li- If they don't want to learn, they don't have to learn. But how to do the Hickman dressing, how to take bloods at home, how to administer cytarabine, which is a chemotherapy. Um We've developed an app recently, which is free for parents to download. It's called OLCHC Hickman. And that's one of a member of staff do like doing this. So they have a visual. Um, do most parents pick up that stuff? Yeah, relatively easily. Yeah, most parents. Yeah, most parents do. Some parents at the beginning, it mightn't just be for them or their head mightn't be in the right place to do it. Oh, but generally, as time goes on, they do because it saves them time going into the hospital. It saves um, transport costs. It saves trying to find babysitters for other siblings. So in time, I think people definitely see how beneficial it can be. The app sounds wonderful. Tell yeah. me the name of the app again. Um, OLCHC Hickman. Um, yeah, it's great. And at the moment, we're actually revisiting it to try and um, update it a little bit. So, yeah, yeah. but it's. Yeah, that's the technology is definitely mm. helping us. In, yeah, in definitely. I, I want to ask you about you. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a tough job. How do you manage your daily life with your work? Um, I, I can imagine it is not easy. Yeah, um, my daily life. Well, I work with a very supportive team for a start, which makes all the difference. And like we would talk and support each other, you know, especially if you have a bad day. Um and when I'm not here, like I like to run and swim and socialize with my friends. Um, but it actually is a very, very, very rewarding place to work. Like when you see a child coming in a diagnosis and then you see them leave three years later at maintenance, like it's it's extraordinary. And the children are really resilient. Their families are extraordinary. And that's really what makes it yeah, easy to work reward, here. Right? Yeah, that's the reward, right? To see a kid what, ring that bell and get absolutely. their life back. Exactly, yeah, and that's, I suppose, what keeps us all working here, you know. Um, I'm interested that you mentioned the swimming and the running because <laughs> we were talking about this again with Des and Dolores. It's like, how do you get out of your head? Mm. And that's really important, isn't really it? Really important, Getting yeah. into nature and swimming or whatever it is, everybody's thing will be different, but... Yeah, exactly. You Just have, have to something. have something, I think. Just to have something, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so that's my thing, but yeah. <laughs> well, your support for each other as well is a, a kind of therapy, isn't it? Totally, like totally, you know, because I suppose we're all talking, but we actually know what each other is talking about. So, and yeah, so there's no use in you going to the pub and trying to find somebody to talk to, to about your yeah, job. Like yeah. you or each other, you're like exactly a, yeah. in, in a war zone almost supporting each other. Yeah, and if you're going through it, the, the person you're working with is going through it as well. So it's, it's yeah. yeah, it's very supportive. So I am very lucky in that sense to have that well, team. You, well, you're lucky to have that team. But I'll tell you what, the, the kids of this country are very lucky to have you guys. You you are just so impressive. I, I don't know. I can't. I get emotional if I start saying thank you for your work. Cause mm. I just think you're brilliant. Mm. I'll leave it at that now. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. Many thanks, Pam, for talking to us today and giving us such insight into how you, as a clinical nurse specialist, are central to the management of patients with ALL. In the next episode, we will hear from Kim Murray, who's a social worker at Our Ladies Children's Hospital, Crumlin. 
We will hear how the social worker helps families navigate through their journey of treatment, both psychologically and logistically.